Welcome to the Monitor Daily Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 28th. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mark Sappenfield. And I'm Clara Germani. How long is too long to wait for justice and progress? Impatience can be a good thing. It drives change. But change doesn't often come on the schedule we would like. Today, Anna Mulrine Groba writes about Native Americans who have fought for decades to get better care for their military veterans. This year, a long-awaited breakthrough finally came. The hope, Anna writes, is that these developments will not only improve care, but also foment faith that even after decades of neglect, change is possible. Stories like hers show the importance, especially in trying times, of patience amid impatience. For our selection of top news briefs from the wire services today, please go to csmonitor.com daily. Now, today's Monitor Stories. Our first story. Texas is pushing the boundary of state authority over immigration. If a new law goes into effect next week, it will essentially set up dueling immigration systems. Amid clashes between the Biden administration and Texas over illegal immigration, the Lone Star State is seeking to expand its own immigration enforcement authorities through Senate Bill 4, known as SB 4. Barring a court ruling expected soon, the law goes into effect March 5th. SB 4 empowers local law enforcement to arrest individuals suspected of entering the state illegally and extends deportation powers to Texas judges. Beyond raising fear and due process concerns in immigrant communities, SB 4 is also sparking questions around the logistical rollout of the law. It would mean you now have a federal immigration system and a state immigration system, and they're going to be interacting in chaotic and confusing ways, says Denise Gilman, co-director of the Immigration Clinic at the University of Texas at Austin School of Law. This story was reported by Henry Gass and Sarah Matusik in Brownsville, Texas, for The Monitor. Talks convened by the World Health Organization seek to address issues of pandemic prevention and response, from transparency and global equity to misinformation. But consensus is difficult to reach. In the wake of the pandemic, there was a widespread feeling of urgency, a question of how could we do better next time? The World Health Organization sought to use that moment to come up with a plan for more unified global action, not just for responding to future pandemics, but for preventing and preparing for them as well. Now negotiators are in the final months of a two-year process to come up with a new pandemic agreement to do just that. The agreement would address three main governance gaps, spillovers of diseases between humans and other species, a lack of a cohesive global framework for sharing information on pathogens, including for vaccine development, and equity issues such as uneven distribution of vaccines. Participation is high, but so is tension. 
There is a divide between the global north and south. Developed countries are focused mainly on preventing outbreaks from spilling over their borders. Developing countries seek greater health equity after feeling left behind during the last pandemic. And in the U.S. Congress, Republicans worry that the agreement would strengthen the WHO's hand at the expense of U.S. interests, including free speech and freedom of religion and greater accountability for China. This story was reported by Krista Case Bryant in Washington for The Monitor. Native Americans serve in the United States military at exceptionally high rates, yet face significant post-service challenges. Efforts are underway to better support veterans on the Navajo Nation. In her work with the U.S. military veterans on the Navajo Nation, Bernadine Tyler routinely logs 1,200 miles a month, driving across an area the size of West Virginia, over high, windswept plains dotted with rust-red mesas. Roughly one-third of homes here on America's largest reservation don't have electricity or running water. So Ms. Tyler, herself a member of the Navajo Nation and an Army veteran, brings services directly to her fellow vets. Though Navajo and other Native Americans serve in the U.S. military at five times the national average, a higher rate than any other demographic, they're also more likely to be unemployed, grapple with post-traumatic stress, and have lower incomes. They're also far less likely to use or even apply for services from the Department of Veterans Affairs. The particular challenges of accessing this care came to light during the COVID-19 pandemic when Native American veterans died at significantly higher rates than other former service members. The VA subsequently pledged to better serve America's Native American community. It's a very important step in the right direction to acknowledge their history of the service and their ongoing needs, says Adam Pritchard, a researcher at Syracuse University's Institute for Veterans and Military Families. This story was reported by Anna Mulrine Groba in Window Rock, Arizona, for The Monitor. Can going to a museum be therapeutic? A partnership of therapists, healthcare workers, and educators in France thinks so, and it's creating pathways for museum visits and art interactions to be a part of mental health care. Since September, small groups have come to the Luamo studio in the Palais de Tokyo, a sweeping modern art museum in Paris, for a different kind of art therapy. It focuses on bien mieux, or feeling much better for those who are neurodiverse or struggling with mental health. It's part of a broader push across France to incorporate art, culture, and in-person museum visits in individual care plans. France's art world is taking a bigger role in public health, from mental health issues to chronic illness and disability, in order to help people find community and feel better. Advocates say museums can be more than one-way encounters with art. They can also be participatory, promote well-being, and help people move out of social isolation, depression, and anxiety, especially in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. Museums are these exceptional environments where everything is beautiful and you can slow down. 
It's like walking through the forest, says Natalie Bondi, a pioneer in the field of museum therapy. For many people, it's not natural to go to a museum, but there's something powerful about the direct confrontation with a piece of art, and that can have benefits on numerous levels. This story was recorded by Colette Davidson in Paris for The Monitor. In our progress roundup, belonging in the place you call home includes being allowed to watch soccer in Iran, having opportunities as a writer in India, and owning the land beneath your manufactured house in the United States. You can find the full roundup of this week's Points of Progress by Cameron Pugh in today's issue. Now, commentary from the Monitor's editorial board on a light for post-war Gaza and Israel. Those making plans for restoring post-war Gaza, as well as Israeli border communities destroyed in the October 7th attack, do not need to look long for ideas. After many wars and disasters, people have created opportunities for recovery, shifting the focus from what was lost to what might better reflect a society's values. The most relevant model might be Lahaina in Hawaii. The coastal town on the island of Maui was leveled by a wildfire last August. While Gaza is shaped by complex issues between two historically divided peoples, for residents of Lahaina, rebuilding raises concerns that Palestinians would find familiar. They seek to preserve their community from dislocation and decisions made by powerful interests. A bill working its way through the Hawaii Senate sets out this goal. There is an opportunity to rebuild Lahaina by preserving and reintroducing its valued resources in a manner that reflects the values and priorities of its residents and businesses, and addresses future challenges, including climate change and affordable housing. That aspiration reflects local sentiment. Although residents remain mostly scattered, they speak of the rebuilding of their town in biblical terms of resurrection and redemption. The work of protecting property and restoring economic activity starts with establishing joy and unity. That's a wrap for the news. You can find the full-length versions of these stories in today's issue or at csmonitor.com daily. For more Monitor audio, including our serial podcasts, go to csmonitor.com podcasts. Thank you for spending time with us today. Tomorrow, we'll look at the farmer protests that have been hitting countries across Europe. They're about many different things, but Monitor columnist Ned Temko points to one common thread, resentment of European Union regulations that keep pushing agriculture toward more ecological responsibility. We'll take a look at what the unrest might mean for the EU's desire to be an environmental leader. Today's Christian Science Spiritual Perspective contributor shares, if we're feeling stuck at an impasse, we can count on the divine mind for a solution-inspiring wisdom that benefits all involved. You can find the column in today's issue or at csmonitor.com daily. To learn more about Mary Baker Eddy, the Monitor's founder, check out Seekers and Scholars, a podcast series from the Mary Baker Eddy Library. 
This series celebrates the spirit of inquiry that is illuminating engagement with Eddie's life, writings, and ideas in a wide variety of fields. You can find it at marybakereddylibrary.org slash seekers and scholars, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to give a quick thanks to our staff, including today's audio production team, Tim Malone, Jeff Turton, and Leonardo Bevilacqua. This podcast is produced by the Christian Science Monitor in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Copyright 2024.